And our sermon title today is Love Rejoices with the Truth. This is the Lord's Word. But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his holy word. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see everyone on this cold morning. Hopefully this is the last cold morning before spring is finally here. I know some of you are suffering from allergies, from all the pollen that is out there. A reminder to you once again that your flesh is weak. That your flesh will eventually pass away. A reminder to those of you who are in your 20s, this is the strongest you'll ever be. It's all downhill from now. And it's a reminder for us once again to ask ourselves the question, where do we put our resources, our minds, and our hearts? We have an eternity with the Lord. When he returns and takes us home, and we are with him for all of eternity, I pray that you will be ready, ready to rejoice in the Lord, ready to see him face to face, that you will be receiving the goal of your heart, and that's to see Jesus. And so as your bodies begin to fail you, say to yourself, you know what, I need to maintain my body, but I need to feed my spirit to grow in the Lord and my love for him. 
for those of you who are older and who are perhaps parents, oftentimes as parents, we, we worry more about how are we going to provide for our kids? How are we going to feed them? What's the best education we can get them? Uh, what are some activities that they're going to be good at? And, and things like that. And we want to sort of pass on to them the riches that we have as people who live and grew up here in the United States. But we forget too often that what we need to pass down to our children and what as a church we need to pass down to our, to our covenant children is not the riches of this world, but the riches of the gospel. How are we doing in providing our kids with the riches that we have in knowing Jesus? That they too would know Christ as deeply as we do. And so as we gather here this morning and we feel our bodies sort of reacting to the allergens in the air, as we feel sort of the weakness of, of life, may the Lord bless us and showing that the riches and the eternity that's waiting for you is worth more than any other investment that you can make today. Our passage today, we continue to talk about love and God's command for us to love one another. But there could be sort of a misunderstanding here when I tell you when scripture tells you to love each other that we're not loving one another based upon our own strength our own ability we know that we are doing that when you love someone and then when they sort of wrong you or, or you are in a bad mood that that love just sort of disappears and dissipates or perhaps you try to love that person in your family you, you go so far and then you get exhausted and you sort of shrink back. And then when you have all the energy, you say, you know what, I'm going to do it once again. You go love. And then you get exhausted again. You come back. And you don't know where, where to go anymore. And you say to yourself, I've tried to love this person. I've tried to love my family members. i tried to love the people, Lord, that you've brought around me. And oftentimes the Lord says to us, you have not loved You have simply tried to attempt to do what is right by your own strength and power. But there was no love in you. There was no joy in serving that person. There was no joy in seeing God help you. There was no praise to the Lord. There was no deep prayer in your heart to go after that person. We know that the only way that we can really love others is if we ourselves have experienced the love of Jesus in our own lives. And to the measure in which you have experienced that love of Jesus in your life will be the measure by which you can love other people. If you understand that you have sinned against the Lord Almighty, that if you were to see Him face to face, And if you were to recognize that not only do you owe everything to that God, but even more so, that you deserve nothing but death and judgment and punishment and even torture, if I could go so far to say that. 
and yet he loves you. That Jesus on the cross took that torture, took your sins and forgave you, showed you perfect love. That you were able to look at the mirror and see nothing but unworthiness. And yet in Christ Jesus, you see someone worthy now of love in him. To the measure that we grow in our understanding of who we are in Christ is the measure by which we can love one another and show grace and show mercy. God does this wonderful thing in the church. He saves people. And, the, and he saves people in different life stages. And it's really a, an amazing phenomenon that I see. There are people here who got saved or who truly understood the fullness of the gospel in such a way that it impacted their lives in, in every way during their college years. Perhaps that's you. Somehow, during college, God made the reality of his love to you bigger than you could ever imagine. You felt the deepness of your sins, but you felt the, the heights of his love. You have this understanding in your minds now that, you know, if God can save me as a college student, surely God can save these other college students as well. Perhaps it's when you were in high school. Surely if God saved me, me in high school, God could save these other high school kids. Perhaps it's later in life. God saved me when I was married. My wife went to church. I was sort of just around, but God saved me. If God can save me, surely God can save this other couple over here as well. And our hearts are more receptive and more lenient and more gentle because we realize if God could save me when I was like that, surely God could save someone who looks just like me at that particular stage, at that particular time. But God commands us to not simply look at our own personal experiences, which are wonderful. It's a gift that God gives us. But we as a church and we as individuals need to broaden our horizons and simply say, if God can save me as a human being, as someone here on this earth at this particular time, surely God can save anyone. And if he can love me unconditionally, and apply the truth of the gospel to my heart, surely he'd do that for anyone in this room and anyone that I come into contact with. This is the gospel. This is what allows us to love. That our reflections when we see the other person is not about what can I do to love that person, but it's God, what you have done for me Teach me to apply that same love to that person. And this is what God is doing to us. And this is what he says here about love, that he wants us to go forth and to love one another. Now, in this passage in love, we, we get to this part 
in verse 6 about some of the attributes of love. And, and, and this attribute, he says in verse 6, it does, love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Now, this pairing is very interesting because it's actually just the same thing, but looked at a different way, different perspective. It's the same coin, but different sides of that coin. Love and rejoicing. Talk about what does it rejoice in? It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. There's this interconnection that Paul is trying to show us between love and joy. Love and joy. And in fact, the thing about joy is that joy actually reveals to us what we love, what we value, what makes you happy, what makes you smile, what makes you light on your feet. It's what you love and what you value. And each one of us have different things that we can say are kind of more creation-like gifts to us of, of our personalities and our characters that, that God shows us that I've made you this way to rejoice in these things. There are some of you here and who, you know, we, I've, 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 I've always put out this question to our church. It's like, you know, when we ever have catering to our church, I ask people, is it okay if we just do Korean food all the time? Don't you guys want different foods like barbecue or, or Chinese? Or, and most of you look at me and go, no, no, we like Korean food. Korean food is fine. But, but I see your faces, most of you, and some of you will, will probably try different foods too, but I see your faces just smile. You're like, food makes you joyful. And it reveals to you what you love. There are some of you who really, truly enjoy your sports teams. There are some of you who really, really enjoy your work. I mean, you've completed your tasks, and you completed them well. When your favorite sports team does well, there's nothing but joy that comes up on your faces. For many of us, we can look to when our hearts are full and our hearts are good, that reflects to us, that reflects to us, that teaches us what we truly love. And some of these things are wonderful. A newborn baby, joy for all of us. A marriage, joy for all of us. Being able to share the gospel with someone, joy for all of us. But our joys reflect what we value or what we love. God wants us to rejoice in what is proper to him what magnifies and glorifies him another thing that's interesting about love and joy is that when you rejoice in something it gives you strength and energy as well does it not 
Whatever it is that you rejoice in, is, is that which you focus upon, is that which, which impels you or compels you to keep moving forward. And these can be positive or negative things. Sometimes you just want to prove that person wrong. <laughs> they say to you, you can't do X, Y, and Z. You go, no, I can do X, Y, and Z. And you, you forget what you're actually doing. Only thing in your mind is, I'm going to prove this person wrong. And that joy that comes in saying to that person, I did it when you said I couldn't do it, is all you need. But for some of us, hopefully, <laughs> things are more positive, right? The joy of seeing someone turn from a, a life of, 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 of negativity, of perhaps even sort of subtle depression, and finding joy in life and even joy in the Lord. And all the work of prayer, of calling them, of meeting up with them, of being there for them, compels you to keep moving forward for that joy. And so this love and this joy is very important because not only does it reveal our hearts in terms of what we value, but for much of life, it's what gives us the energy to move towards any goal. Lastly, what we rejoice in is simply what we worship. What ultimately gives us joy and satisfaction is ultimately at the altar at which we lay down our lives, our time, our energy, our resources. And so for us here as God's people, when we worship our God, that's what brings us joy. That's what brings us satisfaction to be able to sing songs. Singing songs is proper to worship. It's not only simply because God commands us to sing songs, but also because the way that we were made, that anything that we rejoice in, we sing. Music is what makes our hearts sort of move. Music is what sort of not only consoles us, but music gives us energy. And what more so than songs about the Lord and who he has and what he has done. So my brothers and my sisters here in Jesus Christ, where do you find your joy? Where do you find your satisfaction? I pray that it's in the Lord and the Lord only. That it's his love for you and then by the Spirit, your love for him and the interaction between the two and your ability to love others. That brings you joy.
But there's a warning here for us living in this time of age. Love is hard. Love is very hard. Love demands all of you. Love demands for you to die to yourself. Love demands vulnerability. We live in a day and age right now that it's really easy to hide your heart and hide yourself from other people. It's not an accident when people say the loneliest place to be is in a crowd of people. That New York City with, with the population of people that are there that is still one of the most loneliest places in the world. That even in church, that you could be sitting here physically present but your heart is is calloused, it's hardened. You see, in order to find joy, you've got to accept that there will be disappointment. Because that's what love does. Love is vulnerable. For us as God's people, our joy must reflect the infinite love of Jesus in our lives is more than enough. That whatever trials that we're going through, God knows and God cares and God loves us. That all we must do is obey him and follow him and to love other people that God will provide his balm, his mercy, his love, and whatever we're dealing with. And that somehow if we simply obey him by loving him and loving others, softening our hearts, God will meet us there. So love and rejoicing are integral with one another. Now, Paul goes on to talk about two different aspects. Well, Paul talks about, Paul wants to talk about rejoicing in one particular thing and not rejoicing in one particular thing. The first thing that he commands us to do is love does not rejoice in wrongdoing. Or the Greek word there, it translates into wrongdoing. You could translate that easily into unrighteousness, or that, those which are contrary to God's law, if I could put it that way. Love not, does not rejoice in wrongdoing. And there are three things here that we can, uh, we, can, we can talk about very briefly. Love does not rejoice in our former way of life. Ephesians chapter 4, 17 and following, 1 Peter chapter 4, talks about the former ways that we used to walk in, why we lived like Gentiles before we knew Christ. That we follow the ways of this world. That we're given to, to fall to, to follow our flesh according instead of following the Lord. That our stomachs were our God, our effect, that we sort of did whatever we feel instead of following our God. Love does not rejoice in those former things. We do not go about rejoicing in, hey, listen, 
This is the way I used to live. Isn't that cool? Neither do we envy people who are still living a life contrary to the Lord, living for themselves, living for money, living for reputation. Love does not rejoice in those things. Love rejoices in the things that are righteous. We find joy when people are able to stand up for the gospel. We find joy when we see even here in our midst people who have conflicts working it out in the gospel. No, you won't find it on Facebook or Instagram. No, you won't find it in the newspapers. No, you won't even find it written in some blog. But God rejoices. And we who know one another, we rejoice. Love rejoices in the righteousness of God. Love does not rejoice in wrongdoing. Love does not rejoice when we, when we see other people fail. When we see other people sin. And, and this goes hand in hand with love does not envy, does it not? Have you ever been in a situation where, where someone doesn't get that job or doesn't get into that school or doesn't, their relationship falls apart and Secretly in your heart, you're just, you're happy. And you're like, they deserve that. Why? Because they were mean to me. Why? Just because they're just not a nice person. Why? You know, there's many reasons why we can say that they deserve what they get. But then we've forgotten the gospel. That we all deserve nothing but death. That we all deserve nothing but punishment. Love doesn't rejoice when other people fail. Love does not rejoice when sin, especially when sin appears. Because that sin destroys that person and that sin is an affront to God. So love does not rejoice in the midst of this church. Love does not rejoice in the world around us. when we see unrighteousness or wrongdoing. And lastly, love does not rejoice in wrongdoing, especially if you are the one who causes other people to sin. Luke chapter 17, verse 1, 2, talks about Jesus saying, look at these little children. If anyone causes one of these little children to sin, it's better that you have a millstone around your neck and thrown into the sea. <laughs> it's harsh. 
But not only does love does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but love does not encourage others to do what is unrighteous and sinful before the Lord. The temptation here for us as God's people is to forget what is truth and what is false, what is righteous and what is unrighteous. Yes, there is sort of a middle ground where we have to use wisdom that depending on the circumstances, that this is the right way to go or this is the right way to go. But it's a falsity when we start to bleed everything together. There are clear lines, are there not, of what is righteous before God and what is unrighteous before God. That to live a life of purity, to live a life of not stealing, to live a life of not coveting, to live a life of loving and honoring one another is righteous before God. But to live a life of selfishness Revenge, immorality is the affront to the Lord. And for us as God's people, in order to rejoice in wrong, not rejoice in wrongdoing, and to rejoice in the truth, we ourselves need to understand that to be a Christian is to live in the either or, not the both and. And so love calls us, if I could segue to this next section. Love calls us to rejoice in the truth. And the only way to rejoice in the truth is to acknowledge that there is a truth. And to acknowledge that there is a goal into which we are trying to lead people. That love is not simply placating people's feelings. That love is not simply patting people on the back but that love is to lead people towards a goal, towards a truth, towards a reality that is good for them. I can only imagine if uh, raising kids, we just told our kids, do whatever you want, whenever you want. Learn how you want And just capitulate to their every desire. We think that's silly. But in the Lord's eyes, it's no more sillier than what we do for one another as adults. To simply placate one another. And to allow each other to do what they want, whenever they want, however they want. We've forgotten that our authentic self is usually our sinful self. That we're not looking to be authentic so that we can indulge in authenticity. We're looking to be authentic so that we can be forgiven and changed in the likeness of Christ. Love rejoices in the truth. Do you know what truth is? Do you rejoice when you hear true things? Does it make your heart skip a beat when you hear true things? 
x squared plus y squared equals z squared, whatever. Does that make you rejoice? There's one mathematician, he'll rejoice in that. But there are deeper things of truth that God has revealed to us. First, love rejoices in Jesus. Big guns coming out right away. <laughs> love rejoices in Jesus. Love rejoices in seeing Jesus being seen. Love rejoices in seeing Jesus' love and mercy being played out. Love rejoices in seeing people being forgiven of their sins. Love rejoices in seeing people restored in righteousness. When Jesus says in John 14, verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life, he wasn't simply waxing poetically. He was telling the world and telling us that the goal of all things is Jesus and him, he himself. He is the only right answer to every question that there is. Why am I here? It's Jesus. Why does God want me to be, uh, 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 why does God want me to uh, live this way? Jesus. Why do I only make this much money? Jesus. Why is the answer to all these things in the classes I'm taking? What are the answers? Ultimately, it's Jesus. All things by him, through him, for him were made, as Paul says. And so the Lord rejoices in Christ. Love rejoices in Christ and Christ alone. So our hearts must move towards that. And our heart must rejoice in the truth. And our heart rejoices in this church setting our heart rejoices when we see people grow in the Lord. When we see people take that, even that infinitesimal step to say, I need Jesus, our hearts rejoice. Secondly, our heart rejoices, sorry, love rejoices in God's word. And we did a series on Psalm 119 in this. Love rejoices in reading his word, understanding his word, absorbing his word. Why? Because God's word is the truth revealed to us. Yes, Jesus has come to save us and the spirit lives in us. But in terms of how to interpret the world and how to interpret his coming and how to live therefore afterwards, it's God's word that shows us the way, the truth, and the life. The way to go forward and to act and to, and to live and so far as God's people, this is what gives us joy. I haven't seen this movie. I've only sort of um, read about this movie. Um, it's one of the back of the futures. And it's, I think it's, a, it's sort of a dream that, uh, or a fantasy that every guy has. It's someone coming back to the future and give you an almanac, a sports almanac, 
of all the scores of who won every Super Bowl, of who won every World Series, of who won every game. And someone came to you from the future to give that to you, your old self in the movie. And in the movie, that, that guy puts, I think he puts it in the safe and, and keeps it for safekeeping. And he starts to make a fortune out of it. Well, it's easy because he, he knows he's going to win every game. And he becomes wealthy. Now, when I was a kid, I, I, I dreamed like that too. It's like, oh, if I could only know who can. You know, sports betting is, is sort of like a, a manly thing to do. You know sports and stuff like that. And you get rich off of it. I thought, if someone from the future can give me a book, this book would be holy to me. I could become wealthy really quickly. I could become well-known really quickly. The Lord has given us a book about our future. Not just about the next 20 Super Bowls, God has given us a book about all of eternity. God has given us a roadmap of how we are to live to see that eternity. God has given us this book and prepared it for you and me to read and to take joy in. When we, rejoice, when we rejoice in his word, we rejoice in loving one another because then we know how to love one another. Have you ever asked yourself a question? Even, even in friendship, right? You, you have this good friend and you're like, how do I love you? And, and, and they say one thing, but it's not really true. <laughs> they say, well, you, you know, the way I really love is you don't need to give me any gifts or stuff like that. Just say Merry Christmas and you know, I know that you really love me. And then you say, okay, I'll give you a gift. And then they're like, can't believe they didn't give me a gift. And you're like, well, what do I do? So you go back and, did you want a gift or you didn't want a gift? And you're like, oh, well, I don't really want a gift. But, but you're, why are you angry? Well, I guess I wanted a gift. Well, do you want a gift or you don't want a gift? I don't know. And you get frustrated. Even in friendships, there's a frustration level of understanding one another. What if I were to told you the word of God tells you how to love that person? What if I were to tell you the word of God tells you what that person actually needs? What if I told you the word of God explains why people respond in certain ways? And how Jesus works to change people, the spirit to change people and to bring them to knowledge of him. How can we rejoice in the truth? How can we rejoice in loving one another without loving God's word? And lastly, love rejoices in applying loving others in truth. 1 John 3, 18, let us love with actions and in truth to one another. Ephesians chapter 4, speaking the truth in love to one another. But lastly, to love, when love rejoices in the truth, it's not simply this academic truth that is out there. 
It's not simply going through the Bible and figuring out systematically what is truth, putting them on a whiteboard, and just adoring the truths of the matter. But love rejoices when those truths are applied to each other in this room and in this world. You know, there's a joy that you get when you know something that will help other people out. Maybe there's a hack that you know. And then you're like, listen, if you drink water during the day, you will actually have a smaller appetite and you'll start losing weight. And maybe you've never heard that, and people are going, really? Yeah. I don't know if this is totally true or not, okay. But let's say other people started to take your counselor, like, that was the best counselor I ever had. It works. It works. Or perhaps you're in, at work or university, and then someone says to you, listen, at 2 p.m., all the best foods come out in the cafeteria. Or at 2 p.m., it's when all of our vendors come and bring food. Shh, it's just us. And you rejoice together. And the truth, and, and, and they rejoice in you that you've sh shined a light on something they've never seen before. And you yourself take joy in sharing that. They take joy in receiving that. You rejoice together in the knowledge together. Scripture says that even, even thieves rejoice together in their lot. For us as God's people, it's when we see the truth of the gospel played out amongst us and loving each other in action and in truth. that our joy is full. We need to be people who, who step back and, and ask the question, dude, man, I have, I have this knowledge about Jesus. I, I've got this, this thing that, uh, that God has shown me in, in, in this chapter in, in the Gospels about uh, what it means to, to help one another and, and to be like that, uh, uh, that, that person who helps the, the, the good Samaritan, who helps the poor. And Gosh, I, who can I share this with? This is, this is such wonderful truth. Okay, let me share. Okay, hey, let's, let's go and share this truth with people. Let's see, let's see what happens when we love people the way God wants us. Come on, let's go. Let's go do this. Let's go do this. Let's follow what the Word of God has taught us. Let's do this. And all of a sudden, you're like, yes, you're, 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 you're starting to scheme. You're starting to plan. Your adrenaline goes up, and, and you're, you start to pray. And there's, there's excitement about it. And you go and do it. And it comes out exactly the way that God has taught us in Scripture. And we rejoice with the truth. When we love brothers and sisters, 
We love in the power of the gospel, not in our own energy and strength. We love in response to how God has loved us and not love in order to please God himself. We love knowing that we might be wronged, but we never return wrong for wrong, but we return wrong with love and with, with compassion. Our goal is never to be right. Our goal is never to be comfortable. Our goal is never to receive love from the other when we love them. Our goal is simply to see the truth of Christ flow in our midst. And when we see that, our hearts rejoice. Brothers and sisters, may the Lord teach us his love. And may we, as his people, respond in loving one another. As we continue to worship today in our offerings, in our time of prayer, and especially as we sing these last two hymns together, May you sing it with joy to him who has given you himself. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy. We ask of you once again, O Lord God, to remind us how much, how loved we truly are. Lord, that no amount of riches in this world, no amount of emotional health in this world, no amount of anything in this world could compare to simply being known and loved by you. And so, Lord God, help us, Lord, not to seek after the things that this world seeks, Lord God. Father, if we are poor in material goods and have you, we have everything. Father, if we have sort of emotional, emotional issues of of jealousy or whatever it may be and, and we wrestle with it all the time but we have you, we have everything and so Lord God let us go to you and you alone you who love us you who minister to us for you are indeed are our everything in Christ's name we pray Amen